and that's it. We are theoretically, in fact, not theoretically, we are now recording. This is, this is well, John, uh, thanks for joining us. For You've had this too much rail matter for you this evening as well, because I know that you just watched most of a, of a quite long news episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's great. I love a double bill. So oh, it's, a, it's a double bill. Uh, and I'm mostly keeping on top of the audio-only form, which I know is the main way that you digest it. Although you've done two in a row now where you've been, um, you've been watching them live. But anyway, um, yes. We are here to talk about, this episode is going to be, um, it's, people were in the chat bemoaning the fact there's a TGV in the background, which was quite funny. I was like, Wait, what's wrong with the TGV? It's fine. Um, <laughs> the, the new, I don't know, I've never been in one of the duplex ones. Uh, the, I don't like the interior, the modern interior, the classic ones, I think is rubbish. I think the interior of them is really rubbish. I think the exterior, they look great, particularly in their original orange, but interior-wise, they're awful. I had, uh, I had a duplex down to Marseille a couple of years ago, and I have to say, top deck is good fun. Like, oh, nice. It does look very... I, I do want to be in that top deck. That does look nice. Um, yes, so uh, the, the theme of why... what, what This whole shtick that we're going to be talking about, these missing links, these missing high-speed links that we're here to talk about. Um, well, there are a variety of things. Firstly, travelling across Europe. Because the Europe has just had a fixation with highways for such a long time, um, lots of bits of high-speed rail have been built. France has a pretty decent high-speed rail network. Spain has a pretty decent high-speed rail network. Uh, is the, I don't know if you could say anywhere else. The Netherlands has, a, I suppose, as good a network as it needs to have. Belgium, pretty good. Um, but lots of bits... Oh, Italy, actually. Italy's got a decent... Very good, yeah. Yeah, it, Italy's got a decent... But there, as, as we talked a bit about this in, in our first episode, actually, ages and ages ago, talking about places, things that are good, things that are bad. Um, but there are lots of gaps... Lots of them in Germany, actually, um, but I think there there are a few other interesting gaps that you've you've actually created a list which we're going to go through. We're going to go through this. It's not quite ten things, but it's quite an interesting little uh, little sort of selection of kind of projects, all of them fairly major, uh, high speed kind of you know intercity rail connections that are uh, make a difference. And in fact, because as, as we speak, as as this episode goes out, Dean and I are currently making our way across Europe by rail, returning from uh, returning from Belgrade. Um, come to York and so we're going to be experiencing varying degrees of good and bad railways if we go anywhere near I've never traveled on a journey I've never had a rail journey in Germany that hasn't been delayed substantially honestly every single one has been delayed substantially when I've been in Germany such bad luck so we're dodging Germany uh, <laughs> we're going to completely dodge Germany I think and go Venice uh, through Austria and then up to Paris and back that way when we get our book train. But anyway, who knows? I, we might change our plans. Uh, we're going to have to get Flixbus from Serbia because the blank, blinking Serbian rail connections don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I waffle. Uh, John, let's 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 do this. Let's. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's get the intro uh, start, start up. Uh, let's let's get on with the episode and um, uh, and st- just get stuck into tonight's rail hour. Uh, everyone, welcome to tonight's rail hour. <laughs> City 225 fades away. Uh, it's not Best Endeavours in the Channel 4 theme. Uh, I, I went for a bit of a... You, you might have missed it because you joined a little later, but I, I tried to sneak in a gag uh, last... Uh, last or no, what will now be three weeks ago, but was in fact two hours ago for us. Um, so, it's another picture of train travel. Um, first of all, let's get you up. Let's Everyone, John is here. Hey, John. 
Hello. Hello. I I filch. I like I you you tweet things that I find inter- interesting and and often your tweets do often end up in like in the news actually because they're they're kind of quite you know particularly this the cycling one that you did recently the analysis of Shaps's weird cycling proposal was quite a good little piece so I pointed people in that direction it's, it's yeah so thank you for your continued uh, efforts um, in, in enlightening us like and ones on the matter yeah like on top of policy do my rail stuff yeah for sure um and and actually yeah you, you kind of messaged me after um after the the sweden episode you know after the scandinavia episode uh rather that that, that um yeah and, and you kind of you had you had some thoughts and ideas and, and it kind of you know uh, and for me getting to stockholm is, is an example of a journey that i'd quite like to do i'd quite like to get to malmo because i've got friends there um and doing it by rail is rubbish um and and yeah there's there's, there's a lot to so you sent me a message saying i think i've got an idea for for a natter and uh and so we did, we're gonna do it um yeah. Uh, how are you, John? Are you well, firstly, before um, we get cracking? Very good, yeah. I'm about as well as you can be with a, with a 13-week-old baby, so I'm... Uh, <laughs> this is my, this is like going out for me now, like just getting on stop uh, and doing a, doing a podcast slash YouTube live. That's it. Yeah, doing a, doing a podcast with slides. That's it. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, in fact, so we, we, to, we are going to have in the background uh, two tools. One of them is going to be Open Railway Map, which is uh, a great little um, kind of open street map layered uh, kind of tool that gives you all sorts of stuff. It's got the, the electrification beta, which is quite interesting. Uh, it's got like signaling stuff, which is, again, quite interesting. It's got track gauge, which is kind of interesting. But we're going to be using the max speeds one because I think that's probably the most useful one for us kind of seeing uh, where there are gaps in infrastructure. Yeah. Um, and you can quite nicely see that the, there's, you know, France has a, a, a decent number of, of proper high speed lines. Spain, likewise. Um, uh, Italy, a few, not not perhaps like a substantial number, but you know. And then there's just like once you get into uh, the kind of all of the this side of, of Europe, you get past Vienna basically where you're going. Exactly, uh, it's not quite as good. And so you've thought of a few key. Okay, you're not you're not solving the whole Central and Eastern European gap, but you've thought of a few things that would make um, high speed rail or just rail travel across Europe a bit better. Um, and so, uh, by the power of magic, we're going to list. We're going to get. We're going to get started on these. Um, have you got any opening remarks before I start yeah, showing I'll, them on screen? Yeah. So I've I've got uh, I've got some background, which is that yeah, Ooh, I, I just said I was listening to uh, to Dom Hines' episode on Scandinavia, and he mentioned the gap between uh amsterdam and uh hamburg and all that to denmark and i thought yeah that's a big gap and there's also a lot of other ones i could think of it's an easy it's an easy list one yeah. and uh and i thought well yeah let's just sort of get the crayons out and yeah. see where see where we can uh see how we can fix this with, with the power of crayons um obviously massive disclaimer not a railway planner I, I i was europe correspondent for the independent for a while and i traveled around trains a lot in europe but only ever as a user, never actually worked on the railway. So it's very much up to you. And if this episode were live, I'm sure the uh, sure the audience in the chat, hello everyone in the chat, yeah, yeah, to, in the chat to get in there and, uh, <laughs> and correct me for and tell me why this why such things can't be done. Um, also, we, we would also try and be relatively realistic, so we're not just going to say you know door to door, give me a yeah, three twenty yeah. kilometer an hour high speed rail line. But equally, we'd like to give a flavour of whether, whether these nice ideas that we've got are um, a project which may actually happen. Some of the ones that we've suggested are actually in sign-off in or line, yeah, yeah. construction, um, some of the best ones. 
Uh, some of them are slightly more fanciful, but nevertheless would be very convenient if they were built. Yeah, so, kind of within the realms of, of the kind of the reality of other lines that have been built. Yeah, for sure. And and if I suppose if I'd been organised and if uh, that I might have or or you know had more time in hand, and maybe it's another episode actually, is to almost apply my my kind of network creation framework to Europe's kind of maybe million plus cities. So yeah. as in all the all the million plus cities across Europe is is map those out and then see what the idealised network could look like um, and where and look at the ones that exist and the ones where there are gaps. That could be quite interesting. Maybe one for future, but um, I think uh, the first one, especially that we're going to do, is very much one for for running through like a gravity model or that sort of thing. Yep, yeah, for sure. Uh, and indeed, let us. So uh, the first one we're going to look at is um, uh, if we flick over, if I press the appropriate buttons that I'm supposed to here. Uh, oh, where has it gone? I've managed to alt. Wait, wait, wait. The technology is here. The technology works. There we go. It's fine. All the technology works. So um, the first on the list is. Um, Amsterdam to Hamburg. Well, it's not just Amsterdam, Hamburg. It's specifically Amsterdam. Well, in fact, you, t- you tell me, John. This is the first one. It's Amsterdam, Hamburg. But tell us a bit more about this proposal, and I'll get the map up. Yeah. So, so while Gareth gets Open Rail map up, I mean, you, you can see he's going to zoom into it just there. And Amsterdam is a, a, a massive uh, metro area in Europe. It's got a metro population of 2.5 million people. That's a big city, big draw. And uh, Hamburg is. Uh, out there to the east a little uh, east away and uh, it's got a metro area of five million people these are two very big cities also very rich cities um, and as you can see from the map there is not really a um, a uh, even intercity yeah there isn't is there there's That's not the other thing yeah. and it's it's at a sort of sweet spot as well it currently takes five or six hours and you have to change at least once mm. um, which is i thought which I was really surprised by. On the way as well, it's not like it's not like it's barren open country. On the way, you've got uh, one of the Netherlands, sort of the, it's sort of northern um, uh, one of its northern cities, Kroningen, uh, which is kind of even, there's Kroningen. There it is. Lovely. Yeah, it's there. You bet. You barely even see it. Really, it doesn't really feature too heavily on the yeah. uh, on the map. And of course, Bremen, which is uh, a, a substantial German city. Um, not it's, it's not insubstantial. It's half a million people. Yeah. It's own state, it's got a lot of political power, very um, important as well. Mm. And yeah, none of these, I mean, Hamburg to Bremen is linked up by a, a reasonable intercity line there, but none of them, there's not really a, a good line there. Um, it's uh, it currently takes sort of five to six hours um, and you need to change at least once. The whole route, really, if you, if you were to sort of avoid the, um, the sea, it's about 250 miles, which is really the perfect distance for high speed rail. I said, it is, absolutely, yeah ideal of high-speed rail it's paris to leon yeah and, um, or london to newcastle yeah and um you know if you paris to leon is two hours and this currently takes five to six so um i think it'd be great to have a link here and uh you know <laughs> you can tell me why it might not work but it's not just not just for not just for connecting up people who live in amsterdam and people live in hamburg of course because it was allow connections for us from yeah, a... I was going to say if I zoom back out again it, you see if you're wanting to go up to Scandinavia um, there is just you can see the gap you can see there's there's uh, there's Groningen uh, Amsterdam is, is kind of here uh, there's Bremen and there's Hamburg and you can just see I mean firstly you can see it's quite a nice natural connection between those that's a sensible that's a fairly sensible route develop that as a high speed line and all of a sudden you're connecting yourself up into okay there's still the gap up here to get up into denmark and then uh, across but the there is you know particularly if you consider the new connection that i think there's a new connection being built 
Correct me if I'm wrong. Is there are they building a new connection straight yeah, across? You, you zoom it to the bottom to the base. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For some reason, Open Rail Map only shows stuff under construction if you zoom in very close. But yeah, this, that's the um, the the. Uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce it, but it's a, a new fixed link tunnel, um, which will dramatically cut travel times between Scandinavia and northern Germany. So, um, particularly if they were to take into account some of the other things that we've uh, will be proposing later. Um, which might speed up journeys to Amsterdam. London to Amsterdam is currently four hours. Um, well, if you had a two-hour journey on to Hamburg from Amsterdam, that's a six-hour journey right into the heart of northern Germany. Or you could go to Scandinavia in a day rather than having to stay overnight. Yeah. Um, you're not necessarily going to be getting free services. Uh, there, there are lots of things that we'll be discussing later, problems with that, I imagine. Um, but uh, in the current situation, it, does, it would be realistic for significant numbers of people to take a four-hour train and then change on. Maybe it wouldn't be, the, it certainly wouldn't be the dominant form, but it's it makes rail a real serious... Yeah, it makes it a choice for people who do have a bit of time. You know, for example, academics who are able to, who are wanting to go to a conference and maybe are willing to, you know, spend the extra time or for, um, you know, for people go, doing a bit like what Dean and I and kind of doing what we're, we're generally trying to do with Belgrade now is flying one leg, but then getting the train back. It's kind of to try, you know, to try and half our, our, our footprint from that journey. Um, that sort of, the people who make those sorts of journeys, this, that makes it more achievable you know makes that more eminently achievable um and you know sweden's a cool place i want to be able to go there not flying you know it's it'd be nice to be able to you know take the train um so that was uh that was number one on the list yeah uh, and we should run through the the possibility of this happening and currently there is absolutely uh, as far as i can tell no plans on the table i don't think it's happening <laughs> um I, yeah. I don't know why um i i know that the dutch had a they had an interesting political experience with uh, HSL Zeld, the, 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 their main high-speed line linking to Belgium. I think that it's sort of considered to have underperformed. They had a bit of a fiasco with the Thera trains as well. So, Oh, yeah, they did. It's big time. Bit hot, yeah, I think it's a bit of a hot topic, building new high-speed lines in, um, in the Netherlands or other a topic that politicians want to avoid. So yeah. I don't think it's happening anytime soon, which is a real shame because it would be great. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, frustrating um, frustrating lack of that becoming a reality, even though I'd say it's probably one of the more impactful Northern European high-speed lines that would be built. Like uh, it's, it's, it's good that it's on the top of the list. Talking of the list, we return to the list because the next on the list if, of, of this little listicle rail matter is uh, Montpellier to Perpignan. Um, I'm, hopefully I've pronounced uh, the latter correctly. Correct me if I'm wrong with that, John. Um, and you let us bring up the map while we tour our way down, find our way down to Montpellier. Uh, here is Montpellier, and here's Perpignan. And what can we? Here we are. We're doing it. What? What? So this feels like a fairly obvious connection. Um, so I'm seeing um, the way to Spain here, right? Uh, and yeah. you've got so you've got uh, Paris Lyon. And then the continuation of that uh, down to uh, is it Avignon, um, and then towards Marseille. Is it? No, it's not. Yes, it is. I can't tell because all the words. Are... It is Avignon. Yeah, my par par Parisian geography. My French geography is uh, has just been destroyed by the fact that I keep saying Paris instead of France. Um, yeah, down to Marseille. But the the high speed line kind of peters out a bit by the time you get down to Montpellier, and then there isn't one. There's just a gap, and it's a really obvious gap. Just that's a gap. It's really. Um, and it's almost been built, you know, this, the high speed line, the decent high speed line coming up from, uh, like from Bar from Barcelona through Girona. Um, it's almost been built with the intention of continuing like by the look of it. Yeah. 
So tell us about this one. Tell us about your logic. I mean, it feels quite self-evident because so, going to Barcelona, Barcelona is awesome, and I want to be able to go there and um, and have uh, pinchos. Uh, so tell me about that link. Yeah, so I I think that partic- particularly for UK travellers, um, the appetite of uh, young British travellers to go to two cities, Berlin and Barcelona, is pretty much limitless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say, and we'll get on to Berlin <laughs> later. But yeah. I think that um, there's clearly there's clearly obviously a, a commercial draw here for the UK. But from France and Spain's point of view, this Montpellier to Perpignan uh, line basically this is a effectively it connects the spanish and the french high-speed networks up and it hasn't been built but actually unlike the previous link which was sort of airy fairy in the sky something that i made up in my head this is actually something that has been seriously proposed in france and at the beginning of this year i believe it got a preliminary sign off to do um uh, i think it's a step beyond a feasibility study okay i, yeah, I think yeah. this is something that this is probably the i think this is the highest sort of priority high-speed line that France is planning to build. If they build one next, it'll be this. Mm. Um, that said, uh, there are so so it will be it will be great if they did it. You it would, basically the aim is that it would be to cut uh, Paris to Madrid travel times to six hours, which that's not even Barcelona. That's Paris to Madrid. And yeah, Madrid right. amount, it's pretty pretty far down. Yeah, um, and that would be probably competitive competitive with uh with air i imagine it would certainly be competitive paris to barcelona and you could also potentially even it would also potentially be quite competitive especially if some other stuff that we talk about happens uh london to barcelona will be you know at the limits of it'll probably take you about six hours to get there eventually um so yeah this is something that's actually pretty likely to happen the only thing is that at the moment I'm sure everyone in the chat has got opinions about SNCF and the way that they run and <laughs> yeah. trains. And at the moment, this line that's basically been built all the way through here, it doesn't have this gap. And I believe it's something like one or two trains a day now between Paris and Barcelona, despite the fact that these high speed li- like the high speed line has been built most of the way. Yeah. Yep. Um, seems like a huge waste of money. But then on the other hand, they you might say, well, that's a reason not to build the link because no one's using it. But then it is, on the other hand, a bit of a leap of faith, isn't it? Because once the travel time gets to a, a certain amount and then you start running the trains on the line, that's where it really becomes useful and that's where it's a, a really handy link. But yeah, I mean, th- this is just a, a really obvious missing link in, in the continent's high-speed network, which I believe France is now planning to fill. Um, and I think it's the next sort of priority that, that they'll be building. It's nice to have a bit of positive news of something actually happening which is uh, which is good yeah and it, it, it's just a, it's an obvious gap like it's just an obvious enormous gap and um, for people wondering why it wouldn't why they wouldn't uh go via bordeaux and, and extend down there paris leon is is a very fast like um, paris bordeaux I don't, i've never i've never ridden on that line it's it's a fast one as well but there's there's a much larger gap in the network there and, and the geography is actually quite hard to get across to get across that side of the um uh, kind of, uh, kind of through the mountains that split uh, the kind of the Pyrenees. There, I think the, the geography to go via San Sebastian. It'd be nice. Don't get me wrong. To have a high speed line to San Sebastian and then through. Um, but I don't. I think the geography is that much more challenging. That it makes sense to to use the slightly flatter coast, uh, Mediterranean coast. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I can actually read you from from Railway Gazette. Uh, this it was February this year, twenty twenty two. 
a memorandum of understanding covering the financing of construction of the first phase of the LGV Ligne Grande Vitesse Montpellier Perpignan mixed traffic high speed line was signed in Narbonne on January the 22nd in the presence of Prime Minister in the presence of Prime Minister Jean Castex. So um, oh, it's a mixed traffic. That's interesting. I wonder if it'll just be like a, a like a 200 kilometer an hour job. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I think it's so it has a it's actually a, a 300 I believe it's a 320 um, oh, okay yeah standard gauge I mean as all the Spanish high-speed lines I are. Would hope it would be a super fast I, one, you know I, I believe it's a case of having passing loops on it for for the freight um, there is actually uh, you know what that's yeah I'm not gonna chance it but I, I believe if you look online you might be able to find where the where the loops are but yeah it's gonna yeah, be yeah, yeah. They haven't, put it, they haven't put it on, it's not on open railway map yet. Uh, no, it's maybe, not, maybe they haven't got an exact alignment yet or something. It's not clear why you need it to be mixed traffic to me immediately because you've got this 160 kilometer an hour railway that does the same journey. So um, yeah. if, you were, uh, if you were running freight or something, you would be able to put the freight on the existing network. Europe, they're like uh, France does weird stuff in the way that it uses its... its um, high-speed lines but anyway if for those wanting to see here is the obvious i mean it's not passive provision they've literally built it they have built the junction ready to connect into you can see it uh, yeah, course, yeah. ready to go so um so that's quite that's quite interesting you can see the connection there um anyway there we go and that that is a, a that is a high-speed line that goes down like you know it makes its way right down okay through barcelona it's a bit it's a bit of a faff but generally the speeds are pretty good um that's there's there's also potential for a better high speed alignment into Barcelona at some point in the future, but um anyway, th that's not on the list uh, of which we're going to continue working our way through. And the next one you put in is Cologne Berlin, um Cologne to Berlin, which is a journey I have done several times, and it is hopeless. It's so slow. Um, let us return to Open Railway Map, which is just saving our life today. Um, right here we are. Here is Germany. Uh, and you have. Uh, well, let me just make sure I've got the. Make sure I've got it so it's not our faces and heads aren't covering over it. Um, uh, so here is uh, over here is Cologne. You can't quite see it, but this is the Rhine Valley. Here's Dusseldorf. Here's Cologne over here. Uh, here's Berlin over here. And uh, you'll see there is just a distinct lack of any useful through connect. Like okay, the, the, you go up into the the Rhine Valley up to Dusseldorf. And then there's just like nothing, and then a bit of a high-speed line between Hanover to, to Berlin. But it's yeah. it's it, that's rubbish. And I also sat on it going about 100 kilometers an hour in a an IC3, thinking, well, this is rubbish. Uh, yeah. Full without any information about why it was happening. But we ended up arriving about four hours late into Berlin. Anyway, standard. Um, tell, so that again feels like an obvious gap. But tell 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 us your thoughts on this one, John. Yeah, so I, I've made this journey a number of times. I used to live in Brussels and I would take it to, to Berlin. And I, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination what I would call a, a Deutsche Bahn truther. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that I, I do think there's a lot to be admired about German railways. But um, I, I think some people sometimes go a bit too far saying, oh, it's terrible. Um, although they do have a serious problem with delays on long distance services, definitely. But this is one of those ones where you think, oh, they really should have sorted this out, shouldn't they? And um Basically, yeah, we talk about Northern Powerhouse Road in this country, east-west routes. And um, to be honest, the east-west route across Germany from the Ruhr, which is a massive economic, you know, uh, powerhouse to Berlin, the political capital, is very substandard. As you said, you're sitting on a, an ICE-3 uh, high-speed 
train capable of doing 320 kilometers an hour the whole way and it does not do 320 kilometers an hour for even a moment no it does not it no. barely does 200 kilometers an hour for large for large stretches of stretches of it um yeah it's um it's actually quite poor, although the trains themselves are very comfortable. So when you're delayed, you can sit on them. Yeah, that's definitely the good thing about like like Deutsche Bahn. Last time I was on Deutsche Bahn was from Austria into into Munich, and and we were hopelessly late. But it's a very nice train. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the, the the existing line, the best bit of it is between. Uh, I I'm my German pronunciation is not great, so I'm probably going to butcher this. I believe it's Wolfs, Wolfs, Wolfsburg. I'm just going to say Wolfsburg. Yeah, Wolfsburg is here. Yeah, yeah, that's Berlin. So that's you can see that's the darkest darkest coloured line, and that's that's not even doing uh, I think it's 250 kilometers now most of the way yeah. and there's a 200 kilometer an hour gap but just outside of Berlin and do you know what that gap is it's because when they were building the line there was yeah you can see there uh, that sort of shaded area it's actually a, uh, a great busted sanctuary um, there was a wild uh, there was a type of ground nesting bird which um, oh golly they didn't want to, uh, yeah. They they didn't want to uh, to disturb by getting the trains going too quick, so they slowed it down. This was back in the day, so it's not just a UK thing doing all that sort of stuff. Um, but the um, I don't know whether they're going to fix that, but there are actually plans to speed up most of the service. So there's actually a plan to build a, a new build high speed line between Hanover and uh, Bleifeld, I believe it's pronounced. Oh, in this direction. So, yeah. Yes. So west of it to, uh, yeah, you can probably just about, yeah, it's there where there's a little blue fork coming so up. That's, that's Hanover there. West, and... trace, it, trace it left until you get to a blue fork, and then it's there. It's very small. It's on the main line. It's it's sort of a, a confluence of a, a green, a yellow, and a blue line. Green, yellow, and oh, so here, this this bit here. Blue cells, yeah. I, I can't, so I can't see your mouse cursor. Oh, no, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. No, no one can, actually. No one can see the mouse of... cursor. Oh, yeah. I should have uh, switched that on. It's dead east of Munster, so. Um... Ah, okay. Uh... Wait a minute. So yeah, sort of middle bottom of your screen. Let me just. I'm just going to very quickly put my capture cursor on so everyone can see because I've been wiggling all oh, nice around. Yeah, I'm actually having it on. Uh, no. So there's. Uh, here it is. There you go. There you are. Yeah. So yeah, that's Bly. I, I, again, I probably pronounced this wrong. Uh, probably Bleifeld because it's. Uh, you, you don't you? Rather than uh, that's uh, Bleif that's uh, Bielefeld. Bielefeld. Okay. Yeah. Bielefeld. Okay. Great stuff. Yeah, so uh, between Bielefeld and Hanover, there's plans for a um, a new build high speed line. Okay, uh, that's good. Yeah, that looks like it's needed. And there's also plans to increase between um, uh, Bielefeld and Ham and Wolfsburg and Berlin the speeds to 300 kilometers an hour. These are things that they've that Germany has sort of uh, Deutsche Bahn has said they're going to do. Um, and that's that's very positive. And apparently, those improvements will cut Berlin to Dusseldorf from four hours fourteen to three hours thirty-four. So about a forty-five minute saving. Um, but uh, an interesting, your readers might find interesting. These proposals are apparently they were done the right way. So basically, Germany is sort of trying to copy Switzerland with a, a tacked far plan. Yes. Yeah. So they they were like, we need in order to meet the specifications of this timetable, we need to increase these speeds to here. So that's that's a smart way to plan it. Yeah. Really, from, An actual strategic approach to how a rail network should work. Funny that. Yeah. Um, no, so there we go. So that's the connection there from. Uh, so so from Berlin, 
so the improvements to the line um, down new... to Bielefeld and then across to Ham and to and then fortunately through the Ruhr Ham to Cologne is where I, I probably said it wrong is I'll just say Cologne is yeah. where there's no planned improvements and it's a right mess so yeah. they've got to they got to do something there as well really if they're going to make London to Berlin an easy one which I'm sure is dead at the forefront of their mind what what are the Londoners doing yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, how, how are British people going to get? Here's Cologne. Uh, the, the rail network in Cologne. Uh, I, I love Cologne. It's a great city, um, and the, the station's great. Uh, there's all sorts of fun stuff, and the rail network is. It's 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 quite impressive. It's it's got a classic German sort of concentric rail network of lots of bypass lines for freight and all sorts. It's great. Um, anyway, yeah. Sorry. So, but that's a it's a mess. It's it's a real sticky mess. The the railway falls kind of sticks to the river a bit and then it's it's not very good having taken regional trains back and forth through here it's not it's not it's busy congested and uh, yeah not great um so yeah upgrades across towards berlin very would be very very useful and then you can see if we if we get back to now i've got the mouse up sorry everyone i now have the mouse up so people can sort of see what's going on and um, if you can from us uh, across get eurostar over you can see then the connection so from lille then across uh, to liege uh, and then Cologne, which does have bits of high speed right the way to Cologne, and then you would be, and then that would, if you had high speed connecting right the way across, you would have that full high speed link from Berlin to London, which you know two major capital cities. It makes sense for them to have high speed rail between them. It's doable, yeah. If if this was if if Berlin was in France, you'd be able to get there in three hours basically because yeah. they were built a three hundred twenty kilometer line to it. Yeah, exactly. Out line, yeah. Um, so yeah, another one, another one on on the list. So what's next? Uh, Turin to Lyon. Here, here we go. Right now, this one. I, I having done this journey fairly recently. Yes. Mm. So Torino up to Lyon is. I know quite a bit about this because I did so much research because the train journey takes so long at the moment. <laughs> it's such a long journey. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so you end up uh, traveling up from Torino, which is. Uh, there's Torino, there's Turin uh, and there's a very fetching but very slow Alpine railway that weaves its way up through um, and then drops kind of into Lyon, actually it goes yeah it does do that, it does go through Chambry and then into Lyon and then you find your way onto the high speed line um, it's a, an obvious gap, it's another obvious gap, John mm. tell us about this so if this is any indication that I've spent too much time staring at open rail map, this is one of the ones where if you zoom in close enough, the oh. uh, line that I am proposing oh. here oh. magically, although it doesn't, for some reason, doesn't have a, um, they haven't, they haven't given it a speed car. I think it's the gray one. Yeah, it is the gray one. Yeah. I was just looking at the, uh, the other ends to see if it, to see where it ties in. It's interesting that it, yeah, they, they show. Yeah. I think it's it, also showing this weird, sp like, what is this? Is that, yeah. oh no, it's a depot possibly. Oh, it is. Yeah. So, so basically, the there's a there's going to be like a, a significant base tunnel um, involved in this. I'm I'm not sure exactly where it is. I, it I might be this bit by the by the alignment. I would suggest that it's this section yeah. that's the base tunnel. Also, the geography. I think that's where it'll be. So there'll be a curve in the base tunnel. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think it is following. Uh, unless the, I don't think the whole thing is tunnel. I think there's a lot of new alignment that will be, do kind of in and outs and and heavy heavy engineering. But the the base yeah. tunnel element, I think. It's um, not. Gonna, it's not all tunnel, but it is still going to be the longest railway tunnel in the world, and um, longer yeah. than the Qatar-based tunnel by about like 
like by like a few hundred meters basically <laughs> yeah um, and this line's not going to be like a, a full-on high-speed line. It's going to be 140 mile an hour, so 230 kilometers an hour, um, or 225. Um, yeah. But um, it will. I mean, that doesn't matter. It's it's going to be great. I mean, it's going to cut journey times uh, Paris to Milan from seven hours to four because yeah. it's high-speed line pretty much the whole way, except for this bit, which it just chugs. And I'm sure it's very picturesque. I personally haven't taken the journey. Oh, it's worth but, it, yeah. But it's it's yeah. it's rubbish in terms of the fact that you're like, this feels like, this is the main French-Italian connection and it's rubbish and it really ought to be better. Um, there are, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, there are also plans to connect from Lyon up towards it as well with improvements. I, I Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I believe there are mooted proposals for improvements as well there. Yeah, so there's there's three sections of a line as I understand it. So there's a French section, there's a Italian section, there's an international section, which I think is a sort of underground in the mountain bit. Yeah. Um, and I I couldn't tell you which bit was which, but I think they're all basically in train now. Um, it weirdly actually, strangely, this was a project that was favoured by um, Salvini's Lega Nord. Um, in, in yeah, in Italy, because if you think about it, they're the Northern League and they like. Yeah. Northern Italy, so well, they're not called the Northern League anymore. Um, but they had a big falling out with it over their coalition partners, the Five Star Movement, yeah. Um, back in the day, and in the end, they decided to build it. Um, but the Five Star Movement sort of incorporated basically every protest, every protest group you can imagine. And there was a there was a significant uh stop uh TAV movement in in Italy. Oh, um, you see the signs, they're still you can see some of the signs up actually as you as you get the as you get the uh the train up through. Which is funny because there's an enormous highway that cuts its way through the valley. Uh, <laughs> Our beautiful motorway, yeah. Yeah, quite. Yeah, so I mean, that's that looks like it's happening. It's going to be a while, but it'll be good. And from the UK, it'll be extremely useful too. I mean, if we ever got border control and security sorted out, there'd be no reason why you couldn't run a. Uh, you know, if we were in Schengen, there'd be no physical reason why you couldn't run a, um, a sort of a six-hour uh, London to Milan train. With stops in like uh, you know uh, Disneyland Paris and uh, or you know one of the outer Paris stations, Lyon, um, Turin, and Milan, that'd be fantastic. But I'm, so oh, good, <laughs> it'd be amazing. Yeah, that'd be absolutely excellent. That won't happen for forever, basically. But that's the problem. There's political and um, to do with border control rather than uh, and commercial. Uh, r rather than the fact that, that you wouldn't be able to do a six-hour train, because of course the train between Paris and Milan is already six hours. So, yeah, um, yeah exactly. Uh, sorry, sorry, seven hours. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be fast current train between Paris and Milan. So clearly there'd be a there'd be a there'd be a, um, a market for the London one as well. But I've got myself I've already got myself lost in open railway map. Going, what is this, and and is it something that's <laughs> under construction? What is this? Yeah, I don't. I actually, I I think I swear they used to have it in. Um, they, it, from the curves, it looks like a high-speed line, doesn't it? But they, yeah. they have a. Um, they used to have a sort. I think of, it's a former rail. It must just be a former railway because there's a level crossing mark there, and and and, and like the, the geography looks like it's just maybe it's just a former. Try zooming. Try going to Turin itself and zooming to the outskirts of Turin. I think there might be sort of a bright orange one. There. Oh no, this one's. This is actually over in. This is over. Oh, okay, right. I'm going over to Turin anyway. So that's le yeah, left. Yeah, uh, 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 there we are. There you go, yeah. And then is there a is there like an orange thing somewhere? Maybe not. Maybe they haven't done it. Uh, maybe or maybe it's in the infrastructure bit. There's there's uh, mm. 
footage. Maybe it's not on there. Then I, I, maybe they take. Oh, there you go. That's the dotted. Oh, it is there. That's the dotted high speed line because red. Oh, it is. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. But there's um there's this. Oh yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay. So it's depending on the So I selected max speed since made things disappear. Put on infrastructure, and you can see the new proposed high speed line, um, working its way across to connect. So that I thought there was, and there it is. Going yeah. across, uh, so I don't know what that other thing was that was appearing. It's just a, a sort of strange artifact in the, uh, uh, yeah, this bit here. I don't know what that is. I think that must be an old line or something. Yeah, who knows? Anyway, um, <laughs> let's go back to max speeds. So, uh, oh, actually, I wonder if we do infrastructure then and go over while while we're here, uh, faffing around. I wonder if we go over here and if it'll show the new line. Oh, um, yeah, it does. Uh, there you go. Nice. So we do it wrong. <laughs> We've been doing the whole thing wrong the whole time. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it looks clearer when we have speeds, but also we can see the new stuff when we like speed, do yeah. this. That's nice. Um, okay, very good. Right, let's go back to max speeds. And then let's return to uh, our... Let's just get the whole of nice Europe up there. And let's get our slide deck up. Because the next, on the next on the list is Brussels-Antwerp. Now, this is people might be like, wait, what? Why? Well... Yeah. <laughs> tell us, John. Tell us so why. why. I mean, purely because of how important it is for for the UK from our perspective. So, I've, I've, I, when I lived in Brussels, I, I always thought of Belgium as being a very good neighbour when it comes to high speed lines. Because if you look, yeah, if Belgium yeah. hadn't built any of these high speed lines, they, I mean, all the countries around them would be absolutely screwed because you wouldn't be able to. You'd have to crawl through countryside to get. Strange, it used to, that used to be Brussels. Uh, like Belgium's role used to be a bit of a railway yeah. hub in in days gone by, with, and they knew this because that's why they blew up all of their railway bridges. And uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> if you, if you go to and um, Brussels Central Station. There's a, a my my favorite ever war memorial. It's to the Belgian railway workers who fought in the Second World War, and it's got a big art uh, deco uh, stone engraving of a Belgian railway worker pushing a plunger and blowing up a Nazi train going yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, my life. good stuff um, that's uh, uh, that's that's practice folks um, so uh, there's Brussels yeah. there's Antwerp uh, people will notice there is a uh, there's a gap there is yeah. a strange gap there's actually a bit of a gap kind of through Leuven and, and, and also up into into kind of Brussels proper uh, there are also some other gaps, but there's definitely an Antwerp gap. So, so tell us about this, and, and and why would it be a good idea? I mean, for people who so, haven't worked it out. So basically, the, the service between Brussels and Antwerp is great if you're doing if you're sort of commuting. I mean, this is one of the most densely populated parts of Europe, and it makes sense to have a stopping train. It takes about 50 minutes on a stopping train um, to go from Brussels to Antwerp. It's very cheap; it costs like three quid or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, really good. I'm a big fan of SNCB, just doing everything very subsidised. Um, but unfortunately, it's so it's great for Belgians. Unfortunately, it's not great for um, people who have nothing to do with it, which which is the Brits who get to <laughs> fast, <laughs> and um, or anybody who really needs to get to Amsterdam fast. Actually, so basically, that's a very congested bit of line, and there are paths for both the Eurostar and the Talis, um, which is the high speed train that connects. Um, the Netherlands with France. It's kind of a TGV offshoot. Yeah. Um, and the trains go very, very slow through Brussels city centre. You can see there's a bit of dark blue and that's yeah. sort of massive railway viaduct, which they demolished half the city to build back in the 50s. Oh, yeah. Great. It's like, a, I think it's like six track, eight tracks, something crazy. Um, it, so, it is. Yeah, it's it's huge. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely enormous. It's vast and you can see it and it's great fun, but that's what the high-speed trains go on when they go from... So if you've ever got the Eurostar to Amsterdam, highly recommend it. It's great, but it crawls. And if you look at the timings, um, 
the Talus and Eurostar high-speed paths take about 40 minutes between Brussels, South, and Antwerp. And you can't actually measure the distance here, but it's 30 miles. So you're, doing four, you're taking 40 minutes to go 30 miles. I mean, that's not good. That's not a high-speed train. Um, yeah, and I mean, actually, as a result, this gives this actually gives way to my favourite rail fact ever, I think, which is that the Talus running between Paris and uh, and Amsterdam. That's a very high-speed train. You know, it's a TGV. It's got a top speed of 300 kilometers an hour odd. Um, and it's going, it's doing a sort of 480-kilometer journey, and that takes three hours, 15 minutes. But if you look at the East Coast mainline, LNER does a 450-kilometer journey, so a little bit shorter, but about the same, in just two hours, 48. Yeah. So it's faster because the the Talus is kind of a fake high-speed train. It goes on these great fast lines out of Paris all the way up past Lille. Um, you can you can see that, and then it does, and then it kind of uh, it kind of crawls between the outskirts between Anderlecht and on the outskirts of Brussels and uh, and the north and northern Antwerp, um, and then it goes very fast through the Netherlands on uh, high, the, the southern high-speed line that they've built. But as a, and also it's not a particularly direct route. Um, as you can see, partly because of the geography, yeah. partly because of the sea, and partly because of the need to, the political realities of needing to stop in Lille um, and split the difference with the line up to uh, to Calais, because that's, yes. yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, but yeah, essentially, were the Belgians to build a line linking up to, between Brussels and Antwerp, it would, you'd basically probably knock about half an hour off the train from London to Amsterdam and make it, uh, you know, three and a half hours um, instead of four, which would yeah. be nice. It might, it might even be less than that, to be honest. Um, but uh, that'd be fantastic. It would also be great for Vitalis, which, um, I mean, already has like pretty much full uh, full market share over airlines. And they'd also get some capacity release on their existing network. Like genuinely, they like, so, have a very saturated network there. They do. And that's actually part, one of the problems. So that if you look at the timings of the Taliesas and the Eurostars, they take massively varying times to pass through this section. So like 40 minutes is very quick, but I think they can take up at least, something can take as much as an hour oh, yeah, because yeah. they don't necessarily have enough paths. And they, the, to be fair, the Belgians are actually doing something about this. So they're building, I believe if you, if you zoom in on Mechelen on infrastructure mode, you might be able to see it so Mechelen's about halfway halfway through that's it yeah um so they're building something oh. called the Mechelen rail what no that's closed the closed line oh is it oh, RIP. it'll literally just be around Mechelen station um maybe try going in further it may or may not pop up so they're building something called the maybe that's it possibly yeah that's it maybe not sure anyway they're building something called the Mechelen rail bypass which will basically be a fast a set of fast lines to bypass Mechelen. It's very short, it, and it won't actually speed up the um, the uh, the real speed of you know. It's not like a, a piece of extra high speed line to bridge the gap quicker. But what it will do is, I think, significantly increase the paths available to trains. Okay. Yeah. 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 That off like a good sort of 10, 15 minutes for um, for Talis and and uh, and Eurostar and do do a good way a good bit of capacity release. As far as I know, I, I mean, actually, I do know because I've, I've looked at it. The, they referred to that as the last piece of the Belgian high-speed rail network. Um, so they had a plan, and basically the plan is to do capacity relief with the with the bypass around Mechelen. So they're not planning to build a high-speed line. I think they've just gone, we're going to have 
and to be honest, this probably makes sense from the Belgian perspective, just not anybody else's, to have a um, to have high frequency ice intercity rail rather than high speed rail between Antwerp and Brussels. And when it's thirty miles, it kind of makes sense for you, yeah. doesn't it? For, yeah, as an international, it does make sense. This is where the EU is uh, useless because the EU should go well. Yeah, but it's a strategic thing, and you know what? We'll match your cash and make it a full high speed line. But Absolutely. the EU is hopeless on railways, so yeah. Um, there we go. So that yeah, it's an obvious, and it's gonna like it's not just the gap. As you say, it's south of Brussels, through Brussels up to Antwerp actually, and mm-hmm. and it'd be quite nice to then connect that up at Leuven as well to actually link those up, but. You know, there's a highway there that they could potentially uh, piggyback the alignment off. So yeah. There's, there's, there, are op- there are options for that bit. For the actually fewer options in terms of alignment, possibly. Although, you know, there, there's some uh, great central railway truthers. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. talk about that existing line. So you use that alignment and, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I believe line 25 or line 25N takes a highway median at some point. Um, I, I can't see exactly where on, on the... Where, maybe it's that one down there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, it actually goes on a highway. Maybe it's not that one. There is one. I, I know what you mean. I, I remember it. Yeah, 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 specifically designed to do it. Um, I think it might be further south, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, oh, that's at 25N, so to the right there. To the oh, right. Yeah, there we are. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. They go straight down the middle of the motorway. Nice. Drive, yeah, drive. they deliberately built the, the lane spaced out to do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and before we move on very quickly line 25 uh, was actually the first railway line built on the continent out of outside the uk ah. uh, it was yeah belgium was the first country to, to build a sort yeah, of right, railway yeah. with our with our help and it went to mechelen and then they extended it to antwerp and uh if you ever want to learn about that i highly recommend train world in brussels great museum on, on a par with the, the national railway museum in york i would say it's it's a tall order but it's genuinely great yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, the the york museum until 2025 is, is getting a bit pantser because they're moving stuff around and sealing things off you can't go inside any trains in the rail museum at the moment yeah. which uh defeats the object somewhat so uh even you can't even go inside the uh the shinkansen anymore um it's because they're juggling everything around so um right conscious of time uh, the next now people might go wait a minute what Paris Calais well not the Amiens it doesn't exist between Amiens uh, kind of on that route between Amiens but, uh, here is uh, John getting greedy let's have a look at the map uh, yeah it was like come up with a load of lines you want and I was like well I've only got I've only got a few but then yeah let's let's keep <laughs> so this isn't actually we, we alluded to in the last point actually um, the political realities of going via Lille and yeah. and people who people might be surprised to see how indirect the route between London and Paris is. It's not straight. Um, and that's because it basically splits the difference between the Talis service that runs... Yeah, it's good network development. It makes yeah. it makes sense. Legitimate. Yeah, it's perfectly legitimate. Lille's a big draw in its own right, in some respects. Um, but the people of Amiens were very unhappy at that routing. They said, well, why doesn't it go past us? You bypassed us. We're stuck on the slow lines. And they want uh, what is called uh, LGV Picardy um, after the name Picardy mm-hmm. and uh, that would essentially that is a proposed line in France and it's something that if they went on a building spree they'd probably get to it like third maybe yeah. third or fourth down their list I mean it really duplicates an existing route but it's also an extremely busy corridor um, it would I mean the traffic on that route is an in, very intensively used bit of railway the, the annual tonnages are enormous so to, to, to some, yeah, I agree. Actually, to some extent, there is a value in that 
in that appearing, you know, in that actually being a defined route, you know, the new route going up through on the they haven't put it on the map, which is uh, which yeah, is it's not, I don't it's, think it's, it's, that, it's, it's a bit too distant from reality. Yeah, it's not at an alignment stage. I mean, it's something where it exists in some French government documents, but it's yeah. not like something, it's not just something that someone's come up with, but it's also not something that's likely to happen in the next 10 years. Um, it's It would knock 20 minutes off the London to Paris journey time. Um, so you'd get, you basically get London to Paris in under two hours, which fine, that's all right, that's good. But the main thing is that that also knocks 20 minutes off every other, Every, everything that we've talked about. So down to Turin, down to Madrid and Barcelona, Um, it makes through trains to other parts of France, just that little bit more attractive. It would be really nice to have. Um, I'd love the French to spend their money on making our journeys just a little bit faster. (laughs) Um, It's probably unlikely to happen anytime soon. As I understand it, you'll you'll probably be able to correct me on this. I think the main capacity constraint on LGB Nord, um, the existing line, is to do with terminal capacity at Gare du Nord. Yeah, that my understanding is that Gardenor is the is the main constraint. Uh, yeah. the, the approaches and then the station itself is just there's not the platform capacity for these kind of trains that sit for a long time. Yeah, so it may be that, and Eurostar's particularly bad for that for obvious obvious reasons um, that are not to do with the physical constraints of the train, but rather the political problems. I believe there's a massive Gardenor redevelopment project coming on soon, which should unlock a lot of capacity. So I don't know whether it could come after that or whether. Uh, it's something that's tied to the Olympics, I believe. Um, and, you know, perhaps after that, it becomes more of a, a going concern. Or maybe it's one of those things where they say, well, look, we've just redone Garden Order. It doesn't release the capacity we need for an, another high-speed line. It's not happening. Um, yeah, to me, it sounds quite political. So I'm, I'm not sure. But it would be nice. And it would have great knock-on effects for uh, for all of us, really. Yeah, big time. That would be a very, very useful bit of uh, bit of railway for sure. And again, if you look at the broad, if we zoom right out and look at the kind of the European rail network, you can see that it is a dog leg for us. Um, maybe the British should fund it. You know, we can yeah. get high speed lines built in Britain, but we're funding. We're currently funding a new high speed line in Turkey. So sure. why not France? Yes. <laughs> it's it, it's a genuinely interesting question because it's one of those beggar thy neighbour problems. Because actually, you're. Not, I mean, I've talked about Belgium being a good neighbour, but like. If your neighbour doesn't just re- simply refuses to build high speed line, you can't go to your next but one neighbour very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're very lucky that France yeah. and Belgium are are our, our direct neighbours on on a variety of fronts, but certainly just yes. <laughs> yeah. um, so Paris. So and the next one, well, it'd be daft for you not to have included this one because it is a gap. And I, you know, obviously I have thoughts on this, but yeah. before I have my thoughts. Tell me about your thoughts on uh, the obvious gap in the rail network, which is between, let's get the infrastructure one up, and uh, because it'll allow us to sort of, hopefully, oh no, because they've got all these blue names here that mean that we can't see the high speed line on its approach. But anyway, uh, HS, yeah, there it is. You can, I can't see it coming through. There's, there's high speed two, making its way up to Houston. And then obviously there's high speed one uh, coming up through and arriving into... St. P. Yeah, so I, I'm, I mostly wanted your thoughts on this, but I thought it would be pretty churlish to talk about all these great connections which we would get on the continent to uh, to connect London to the rest of the world without connecting, without saying, well, I mean, if I didn't mention this, someone would say, well, what about Manchester or what about Birmingham? And that's yeah. quite right because, you know, there is no particular reason why you shouldn't have international through services in 
it's, it, there's no physical reason why the infrastructure wouldn't Lots of stupid political reasons. A lot of stupid yeah. political reasons, which maybe we can talk about afterwards. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've, I've lined this up a, a little slide to think about that. Um, so, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so... so you, 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 you talk about mechanics, but as I understand it, you've got either the North London line, which TfL reasonably doesn't want to be running high-speed paths on because they want to intensify the overground at some point yeah. in the future. There's the prospect of a tunnel, which would require... Uh, demolishing a very important curry house on Drummond Street, which I really hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, uh, and also, it would be very expensive. And I mean, generally, I believe it was probably cut because of the pro political problems that we'll talk about later, which is that you can't rely on the fact that there actually will be high-speed um, services to from the north to the continent because there's no political and sort of regulatory plan for them to happen. Um, but over to you. Yeah, I mean, we did an entire episode on uh, on the overall high speed one, high speed two link, which you'll remember, and we kind of explored the thoughts on that. But uh, but I thought there were a couple of tweets I did recently when I was mucking around when I was first touring around on uh, Crossrail actually, and um, and yeah, on on the left here is is where I would put so so to summarize the the, the kind of the high speed one, high speed two link problem, you it's not useful to build a link that excludes a city centre station in London because that wipes out bearing in mind that hs2 is being absolutely pulled to the bone every train will be you know it, it'll be full immediately annoyingly uh high speed high speed two um and that means that every service that doesn't call in central london is essentially a service or more than one service on other lines that you're not releasing capacity for and so you need to have every train on high speed two that goes towards London, you can't rely on it calling it Old Common, it needs to call it a central, central London station. And the original plans were for there to be a through station at King's Cross. That was the original plan. And uh, a, a certain Jeremiah Croblin uh, got in the way of that plan. Actually, it wasn't just him. Others uh, got in the way, but he was a, not a fan of that because it would have demolished a lot of nice parts of, um, of that particular area. Um, and uh, you can actually see it in the background of the episode, the episode seventy nine that we did this one. You can actually see the the weird sort of uh, uh, what was it? Was it? A, it was a Foster. I think it was a Foster. It was a Norman Foster plan to put this sort of underground station in. It would have had. It would have kind of done what the current uh, Thameslink platforms do, as well as the the high, high speed stuff. It would look beautiful. Anyway, that's all in that episode. But where would you then run? And we did a little bit of crayoning and I, I kind of expanded on that crayoning with my thumb on my phone um, while I was in Crossrail. Um, and, and kind of the, the way I do it, actually, I should have got the actual full picture, uh, which I uh, won't be able to find. But anyway, you can sort of see the picture down here, which is that you have High Speed uh, 2 coming down through Old Oak Common. You peel off somewhere and then you run through an underground station at Farringdon. And I think that you have a, and this is wild and wacky and crazy, right? Um, this is an enormous bit of civil engineering. But I think it's this is equally as realistic as us enabling the political side so that we can run <laughs> services up to the north uh, and to the regions um, elsewhere. Um, but yeah, you'd, you'd build a station at Farringdon because then you've got you've you've got Thameslink, you've got Crossrail, and then you've got a new high speed connection, and then you'd it would then pop out and go through um, Stratford International. And then whiz off onto high speed one. It'd be great. It'd be fantastic. It'd be an enormous project. It would cost probably about ten billion quid. And uh, and you and you don't think Stratford International would be uh, a particularly useful central station? I mean, I would I would agree with you on that. I mean, it's basically got a DLR connection on a not particularly useful <laughs> it's, DLR. It's, it's it's close to, but not close enough to 
regular Stratford Station. If it was actually Stratford Station, that would be absolutely... That would be different. Yeah, that would be different. And, and the combination... I'd then say the combination of Old Oak Common and Stratford would alleviate the need for the Central London Station. But no, I, I think... And actually, this would provide a good... You know, that, that new Farringdon Station, that new high-speed station would end up probably being the busiest station of all the network. Most people would be trying to get on these trains rather than the... The, uh, the the Euston trains because the connection you know because the connections would be so good, yeah. um, but you know I, I think that would be the the route you choose and you'd lo- you'd use this then you'd, you'd you'd piggyback off this to to have through a bit like British Rail were always aspiring to, <clears throat> which is that you'd have through into city services into the southeast of England, which is yeah. something that you know getting across London on in city train is impossible they don't exist. Uh, you can get a Thames link, but that's not an in city train. It's a pretty slow suburban service. Um, actually, it's quite fast for a suburban service, but it's not an intercity service. I can't go from York down to the south of um, you know south of London very easily yeah. at all. Uh, so we, this is an opportunity on that front, I think. Yeah, we were um, talking about the, the the Brussels railway viaduct, and that's basically how they run their their network. All the intercity services are basically through services running from one corner of the country to the other. They're quite yeah. lucky in that Brussels is pretty much in the middle, um, certainly by weight of population. Yeah. So they all caught the three stations in Brussels, and then they you know it goes from like. Um, Ostend to uh, down to I don't know Liège or something like that. It'll uh, well further than Liège usually as well. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's an interesting one. Um, the political side of it, should we talk about? Let's do it. So, um, and this is precisely if I find my mouse. This is precisely what I popped about, popped up here. The politics, border checks for the channel, all this sort of stuff. And actually, going to go big face for this. Let's get both of us next to each other because there's a lot. There's kind of a bit. Yeah, yeah, conscious that we've we've actually we've not hit the hour yet. This is good. We're we're it's a timely episode. Crikey, John. Um, yes, right. let's talk about the politics and about the the, the kind of the non engineering the logistics of why this is hard work. So, I mean, currently there are two reasons why you can't just get on the Eurostar like a normal train. One of them is passport checks, yeah. and the other is security checks. Um, and that's annoying. The both are probably solvable, to be honest, but not politically solvable given the state of the UK. So you, the, the easy way to get rid of the passport checks would be to join the Schengen area, which is what all the other countries in Europe are do. And that's not going to happen. I mean, I don't know if anybody noticed, but we were doing the opposite of joining the yeah. Schengen. <laughs> yeah, we're moving a bit further away from that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you can actually, there are actually solutions to doing it, um, at, to doing it even outside the European Union, perhaps. So, I mean, one solution that that was actually originally used on Eurostar when it first launched, and that still, well, actually until this year when they were suspended, but was used on um, Helsinki to St. Petersburg trains between, you know, not EU member state by any Russia is certainly not a friendly EU member state certainly these days um passport checks on trains um they're possible they are probably quite difficult to do they probably require quite a lot of staff Eurostar trains have got 900 people on them um they do have a little um there's a question of what you do if you find someone on the train doesn't have the right passport um yeah. All trains can simply, there's a couple of things you could do. You can either drop drop people off in Calais. Um, all trains in the UK direction have the option of stopping at Calais, so the, the, the checks would need to be done before you got to Calais. Um, or all the trains actually have a little holding cell, which is sometimes used as a conference room. I don't know if you know about that one. Certainly the original ones do. I don't know if the E320s do, but they have a little um, lockable door 
which you can put someone in. Which, which a was naughty spot, a little galley. It, it is literally that. Um, so you could get rid of you could get rid of the passport checks if you really wanted to. If the Home Office and the government of the day decided that the climate emergency was important. Um, and we had to have free trains. And I, I'll talk about why this is why it's important that you we do this in a second. Um, the security checks are the other thing, and I think that they are. You could literally just get rid of them. Um, yeah, just get rid of them. Absolutely, <laughs> it's not needed. Yeah, it's the whole point. That's, that's one of the things that makes me most angry about Eurostar is that it's it's treated like an airline. You just don't. You just don't need. There's no reason. I mean, my my main counterfactual to that is if you've ever got on the uh, the shuttle, you can get on that in a car with a you know, with a boot full of heroin or AK-47s and no one's going to stop. Like, they don't search your car. They might, they may walk around it with, with dogs, but, um, you know, you can get on the, you can get on your, in your own car on a, on a Yeah, big, with it full of explosives or full of flammables no, yes. or whatever, yeah. And you can get on the same sort of train to Manchester and nobody, we don't feel the need to search people doing that. So it doesn't, I, it doesn't really seem to be a particular, um, a, a serious a bizarre choice what on earth that arose i do not know though again are you the home secretary who got rid of the checks in the tunnels and then something bad happens and you got blamed i mean it's politically difficult why is all this stuff important why am i just why don't i just go through passport checks i actually don't mind i have a carte blanche on your star <laughs> at least i do until november it's great i could jump the queues it takes me two minutes i can turn up 10 minutes pull the train the reason you need to do this is for two reasons it's to extend the destinations north of london and it's to extend the destinations on the continent that's because you can it's, it's as you were alluding to with the central london station the economics it completely changes the economics of a train because you have to have demand from you can't have people getting on the train in manchester and then basically if someone gets on the train in manchester they have to go through possible control in manchester and it has to be a sealed box and they can't be getting off it currently but that isn't how trains in other countries work international trains in other countries they can do a through journey so you could take a eurostar from say manchester to london and just get off yeah. and that demand the de that is still a viable service we have the trains between La trains between manchester and london are definitely economically viable like we already have them <laughs> but yeah. for some reason we can't extend the eurostars from london to manchester for those passengers who want to go from manchester to paris because we force them to jump through all these hoops and i think the stat is that all the flights from Manchester Airport currently, all the passengers on that would fit in, I think, one or two Eurostar. Yeah, it's, some, it's just like two trains, yeah. Which, which, would, which basically would kill the frequency, which would kill the utility of the service, and it, it's not great. So basically, it, you can't just rely on the demand between those that city pair. The whole point of an in-city train is that you have the demand from the different stops along the way, and everyone, you know, so, so you could. There's no reason why you couldn't extend these services up there, apart from the political the political controls. That's why you need to do it in the south. Very similar uh, in the north. Sorry for the for the north. Very similar story on the continent. So if you didn't, if you got rid of the requirement for Eurostar to set up a physical base, cordon off a platform. Um, employ huge numbers of staff um, at every place it decided to extend its uh, services to. It could extend services to anywhere. It could experiment more because there's much. Yeah, it could just go. It could be. It could just randomly start trying to go into Cologne or and just and, and it'd be fine. They could just do it. Yeah. Yeah, it could experiment more. And also, there are places like Cologne. I, I think Cologne specifically, uh, where 
they literally just can't spare a platform. I mean, you can't, or maybe it's, it's in the Colonial Frankfurt where you just, you wouldn't, you, you simply cannot call. To be honest, most, of Ger- most, most German stations are rammed. They, they don't build well, them. Stations, think about most stations in London. If we had to call off a platform for a service that turned up once, like four times a day or something, I mean, it's not going to happen. Like, it's, no. it's just impractical. But, yeah, you would be able, and these are the things that are holding back um, services north of London and services and serving more destinations like the Turin or the, or the uh, Milan or the south of France services or the Barcelona services we we're talking about with all these improvements we're talking about. You build them, you're still not going to get a through service unless you get the demand between the one, the, that particular city pair, unless you relax the, the, border and, the border control requirements. Unfortunately, I don't see it politically happening. I'd be interested in what in what you thought about thought about it. It's not happening under. It's not going to happen under uh, at any point. No conservative government would ever would do it. Not not in, and 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 Labour is certainly not going to be the ones to do it either. So it's it requires a pretty radical. It would require us basically. I don't. I think PR would happen first in the UK before that could happen, yeah. and then the Green Party could make it one of their. Bargaining chips, if to, to go into co- you know, for Labour to then go into coalition with them, I think that's the only way something like that would happen. Is yeah. that is that Green Party would make it one of their red lines? It's crucial. I mean, the the Channel Tunnel runs at fifty, is running at like fifty yeah. percent capacity or something like that. Even and lower if, now, actually. If we want to decarbonise international travel, we need to do the ones that we have already put infrastructure for first. And in order to do that, we need to be putting as many trains through the tunnel as possible until it's dead cheap. And you can get right, to the point where they need to borrow a new one. You know, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not just London. And without those controls, I think the Channel Tunnel would be. It's already a success. No one would get rid of the Channel Tunnel, but I think it would be a absurd runaway success that we probably would have started building one to you know Scandinavia or something by now or yeah. to, to Dublin. Like it's yeah, the, these are services that would work very well. I mean, it's interesting to think about the common travel area, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to reopen the whole Irish sea tunnel thing, but if you were to build, say, the Irish mail route from from Wales, from Holyhead to um, uh, to Dublin, that's a very, that's, that's I think, Europe's busiest flight corridor, actually, yeah. I think, uh, London to, to that. And that doesn't even take into account Manchester to Dublin. But you, you would not have to do passport checks on the train because they don't do passport checks in the common travel area. And if it was just an extension of the Euston to Holyhead service, why would you impose um, security checks? Security checks, yeah. So you could, and you could just go an extra stop. You wouldn't have to do all the special stuff. But I mean, that's that's a pipe dream. It's not happening anytime soon. Yeah, but, it is a pipe dream. But it's but it's we were talking about missing links, and I think you know it's all very well to talk about. Uh, you know, it, it it fits the rail matter shtick quite well because we 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 don't mind a bit of crane easting if if if, it, if there's a bit of logic behind it. But it's the political context as well. And actually, the missing link, the biggest missing link for, for European rail travel from our perspective is is the politic, the lack of political connectivity, the lack of any joined up ideas in terms of... The, you just look at that weird... Why is it a normal thing that our whole rail network isn't integrated to the European rail network, given that we have got a tunnel that provides that connection? It's crazy that that, that is just a sterile... Essentially, we have a single LGV that runs up into built by the French in fact runs up into London and that's it that's that's the only connected it's just bonkers so yeah um, replacing that is an, it is a necessity it is absolutely a necessity and one yeah it's the real missing link it, it really is um, but uh, other that's John receiving messages saying are you finishing yet at bedtime um, uh, and the, the thing is are there any other gaps in the chat about it in the discord server in the chat hello that we can't see because it's from the future 
are there any other gaps that you can think of, physical or uh, kind of logistical? You know, in terms of the train provision, you know, how would I work with with staffing and, and some of these things if you if you enhance? Because those are quite interesting things to discuss. You know, operationally, how does it? You know, what would a train fleet look like that that ran from uh, Liverpool down to Barcelona? You know, how how would you manage that? What what would you do logistically? Where would the depots be? It'd be interesting to have that discussion in the Discord. Um, or in the YouTube chat right next to us. But we haven't got time to have that discussion now, even though it's interesting, because John and I need to go to bed because it's nearly 10 o'clock. Um, although it isn't for you because it's not. It's, it's, it's currently seven minutes past, nearly eight minutes past seven uh, in the future. Anyway, John... Uh, we should come. In fact, tell you what. Let's 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 jump through uh, the 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 closing stuff and then come back. So, uh, audio only form. Uh, yes, uh, John is a listener of the podcast. Thanks, John, for listening, uh, and thanks to everyone else listening. Um, it's available on all good podcasting platforms. No one's reported any problems. I did change some stuff in the back end on Podbean uh, the other day, and and no one's reported that I've broken their podcast. So hopefully, it's still working. It's working for me. Yeah. Good. That's that's always good. I think it, yeah, Apple people, Spotify people, I think are the majority of listeners, but I think there are a few on other platforms too, and hopefully they're all working. Um, as ever, the Patreon, patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis, uh, to support this happening more. Thank you to all of those supporters who are there. Your names appear in the end credits, and, and you genuinely allow this stuff to happen. Without you, I don't think I could do Rail Nash. I don't think I could justify it. PayPal.me slash Gareth Dennis. Um, if you don't fancy a long-term subscription, but you do fancy throwing stuff at me, then you can do that very thing. Um, GarethDennis.co.uk slash Discord for the chat, where you're going to discuss all those missing links that, uh, and, and how they might work. And the merchandise, I need to chase uh, the crew uh, at uh, Masquet. I think they've just, they've just gone off radar. They, they've, they've gone off radar. Um, uh, they've, they've stolen all the cash. They've run away. No, I, 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 hopefully they're all right. Um, uh, uh, shout out to the crew. I hope you're fine. I don't like, let's, let's chat. <laughs> if not, I, think I might move the merch somewhere else. Um, anyway, that's fine. Uh, Next week, uh, well, next week is a live one again because this is the second week of the hot mile holiday, isn't it? And next week is the one that I would have been recording panic tonight, uh, but thankfully John, John stepped in, and it's uh, it's a little discussion about how engineers made the Great Western Britain's first 125 mile an hour railway. What physical work had to be done to make it happen? Because it wasn't just the trains, folks. Uh, in fact, very much there was a massive project that was undertaken to make it happen. Um, and it's quite in, there is a paper there's a very nice paper that's in the, in the journal of the institution of civil engineers that goes into quite nice detail and i think it'll make quite a nice natter so we'll have a look at that for episode 130 um i'm looking forward to that one that's yeah that, that should be a fun one actually it should be quite interesting i think um yeah john thanks so much for that thanks for thanks for recording thanks for the late evening thanks for coming on and uh yeah it's uh yeah yeah it's a pleasure to have you on as as ever friend of the show john stone um Unless you've got any other thoughts, we shall both of us wave vigorously and um, <laughs> and see you all see you all for the live one uh, next week. Cheer everyone, cheerio. Bye.